morning, First Baptist. It's good to be with y'all today. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Give you all a second to open your Bibles there and then we'll pray. All right, let's pray. God, you are wonderful. You are amazing. We are so thankful here today that we have been blessed to know you, that you loved the world enough to send your son to live with us, to show us who you are, to die for sins, and to rise to give us eternal life. God, we realize today as we think about missions, we think about the world, how incredibly blessed we are that we have gotten to hear your good news and that you have saved us. And God, we pray that it wouldn't end with us. We pray that you would work through each and every one of us here in First Baptist Norman today to make your gospel known to the ends of the earth. God, we have received your love, and I pray that your love would overflow in our lives to the people around us, to the nations, that they might know how great you are and what a wonderful thing you've done for, for them, God. God, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share a story that I think most of y'all are going to be pretty familiar with, but I think it's a good, good story to share anyway. On a hill called Calvary, they crucified the king of the Jews. Jesus, the perfect son of God, who had come down from heaven, lived among us, never sinned, never did anything wrong. He died on a cross for our sins. They buried him in a tomb, but three days later, he wasn't in that tomb anymore. Some of Jesus' friends came to look for him in that tomb, and an angel rolled the stone away, and Jesus, who had died three days before, he wasn't there anymore. These women went to go tell Jesus' friends about Jesus rising from the dead, and while they're on their way, Jesus appeared to them and told them to go tell the good news to his friends. They did, and Peter and John went running in to go see if it was true, to go see if Jesus had truly risen from the dead. And he had. The tomb was empty, just like the women had told them. And Jesus had instructed his disciples to go meet him in Galilee, on a mountain there. So the disciples obeyed Jesus. They went out to Galilee, and Jesus went to meet them. And in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says that Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
I think most of y'all have heard that story before. It's the Great Commission, and we talk about it a lot. These are Jesus' last words in the book of Matthew, instructing his disciples what he expects them to do when he leaves. So we know the story of Jesus. We know who Jesus is. We know what he did on earth. We know about the death and the resurrection. But this is what Jesus has left for us to do. This is Jesus' task for us to complete. Make disciples of all nations. But here's the question. Most of us don't use the word disciple on a daily basis. So what is a disciple? How do we make disciples of all nations if we don't know what a disciple is? Well, I've got great news for you guys today. The Bible usually does a pretty good job of explaining itself. It's a long book. There's a lot to work through. But the great news is, if you want to understand the Bible, you know what you can do? You can read more of the Bible because it'll help explain the other things that you've read. So if you want to know who Adam and Eve are, maybe you can flip back a couple pages and figure out where God created them in Genesis 1. If you want to know what a disciple is, you can look through the rest of the book of Matthew and figure out how Jesus made disciples. And even right here in these verses, we see Jesus explaining what he means. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So what is a disciple? Well, a disciple first is a follower of Jesus who is a believer. See, we as Baptists talk about baptism a lot. That's a normal thing for us to understand. And so when Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we understand that pretty well. Who do we baptize? Do we baptize just anybody? Do we just run around town baptizing? No. We baptize believers. That's one of the things that that it is to be Baptist, is we baptize believers. So we understand this well. If we're going to baptize all nations, we need believers to baptize. We need to share the gospel so that people can believe in Jesus. I'm going to share with you from Romans chapter 10 some pretty familiar verses about the need to know Jesus and the need for us to share. Romans 10, starting with verse 9, says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. If we want people to believe in Jesus and be baptized in his name, they have to hear who Jesus is. And that may sound really obvious to some of y'all, but 
we have to remember, we've got a lot of people here in First Baptist, had a lot of people in, in the first service. There's a lot of people at other churches today. But how many people in Norman right now aren't in a church right now? How many people in Norman right now haven't heard the good news of Jesus? How many people in Oklahoma haven't heard the good news of Jesus? How many people in the world haven't heard the good news of Jesus? So what's, what's our job? Our job is to preach the gospel to them because how can they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? If we don't share the gospel with them, there's nothing for them to accept. We have to realize that apart from hearing the gospel, apart from a Christian sharing the gospel with a non-Christian, the non-Christian is dead in their sins without hope, without God in this world. That is the situation of all those who don't know Jesus, especially those who have never heard the gospel. See, everyone needs Jesus. Not not just some of us, not just the people here in church. Everyone needs Jesus. The whole world. Most of y'all probably know the story of Peter and John. This is after Jesus' death and resurrection. Starts in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going to worship in the temple. They're walking up and there's a man in the temple who hasn't been able to walk since he was born. The Bible says that he was lame from birth. And the guy was sitting there, like he always did, begging for money. Peter looked at him and said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And what did that man do? He jumped up with a shout and started running and dancing in the temple, praising God. Praise the Lord what an amazing story of the power of God that he exercised through Peter and John. But did y'all know that not everybody was real happy about what Peter and John did? About them preaching in the name of Jesus? The Jewish leaders came up to, to them and they were questioning them about this miracle that, it, that had happened. They were upset that Peter and John were preaching in the name of Jesus. But they boldly bore witness to their Savior. In Acts 4.12, Peter and John said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Do you all believe that? Church, do you believe that salvation is found in no one else? That there is no other name under heaven? By which we can be saved? Let's think about that. If we believe that, if we believe that only in the name of Jesus can people have salvation, what does that mean about the people who have never heard? The Bible talks over and over again about heaven and hell. These are real places, real eternal destinies of every person in this church and every person in the world, heaven or hell. And if salvation is only found in Jesus, what does that mean about the people who don't know Jesus? That means that their eternity is going to be in hell. 
Well, I'm not okay with that. Are y'all okay with that? Are y'all okay with people dying and going to hell without ever having heard that God had done something better for them? Is that acceptable? It's not acceptable to me. And I hope it's not okay with y'all. I hope when y'all think about eternity, when y'all think about Jesus being the only way to God, that it makes you think, well, I've got some work to do. We've got a task ahead of us. If people need Jesus in order to understand this world and have eternal life in heaven in the next, then if I know Jesus, it's my job to go tell them. If I know Jesus, if I have experienced the love of God, it's my responsibility to share that with others. See, preaching the gospel is the start of making disciples. If we're going to obey Jesus, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, we have to preach the gospel. We have to tell non-believers, not just people in the church, but people outside the church, we have to tell them who Jesus is and what a wonderful thing He's done for them in His life, death, and resurrection. People desperately need Jesus, and we know Him. And so we've got to share. We have to make new believers. If we're going to make disciples, we have to share the gospel. But believing in Jesus is not the end of being a disciple. That's that's just the start. See, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching them to observe. See, believing is just the start of being a disciple. If we're going to make disciples, we need to teach people to obey Jesus. A believer is the start, then we move on to an obedient believer. That is what a disciple is. See, we must train new believers up to be like Jesus. Jesus uh, showed us in the Gospels how we can make disciples, the things that we need to train people in in order for them to be disciples. There are three things we're going to look at. Jesus trained people, his disciples, in character issues first. First, character. He trained them to witness, to share the Gospel. And Jesus trained his disciples to have a relationship with, with God, to know their Lord. Jesus spent a significant amount of time on character issues. And we, we understand that here in the church. We talk about morality and, and obedience and avoiding sin and living for Jesus a lot. So this is, this is a fairly obvious thing to us. But this is part of making a disciple. If we're going to make a disciple, it's not okay for them to continue to live like they used to live before Jesus. Repentance, true repentance, is confessing your sin, but also leaving it behind and turning and following Jesus. It's not just about knowing the correct things, knowing who Jesus is, knowing that God created the earth, knowing that Uh, the death and resurrection happened. It's also about a life change 
because of who Jesus is. See, Jesus taught about lust, about divorce, about greed, about all sorts of sins, the way the world lives, that his followers need to avoid. But he also taught about how we are supposed to live in love, living a life of purity, living a life of self-sacrifice for the benefit of others. These are the kind of character issues that Jesus taught his disciples. And if this is what Jesus taught his disciples, then if we have a new believer who we're going to disciple, we need to train them in Christian character, how they can live for God and live a life that's pleasing to God. But being a disciple and making disciples isn't just about moral issues. It's also about sharing the gospel. See, Jesus repeatedly sent his disciples out. He trained them up, and then he sent them out. And then he trained them up some more, and then he sent them out. Then he trained them up and left them and sent them out into the whole world so that they would be his witnesses. See, witnessing... Sharing the gospel is an essential part of being a disciple of Jesus. So if we're going to make disciples, we need to train those disciples to share the gospel. We are not sufficient here in this church. We are not enough. FBC Norman is not enough. All the Baptist churches in Norman are not enough to reach Norman. We are going to have to train other people to join with us in the task of evangelism, in the task of sharing the good news. Because guys, Norman is big. We've got 100,000 people in Norman. And I guarantee you, there's not 50,000 in church today. There are far too many people who are not in churches, who don't yet know Jesus. We have to train new believers to go out and reach their friends and family for Jesus. We have to train new believers to go out to the nations to reach them for Jesus. Evangelism must be part of our disciple making when we are, when we are reaching the nations. But there's also this wonderful rest that we have in Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus offers us a relationship with God. Jesus offers us the opportunity to know our God and King. Jesus offers us citizenship in the kingdom of God. He's not just asking us to to do some new things, to leave behind some sins and obey all these rules. Jesus offers us an opportunity to understand the world and the God who created it. That's who Jesus is. See, we can know the king of the universe. We're citizens of a, of a new kingdom when we become Christians. And when we're making disciples, we need to train people who Jesus is, who God is, and how they can know Him. Well, here's a question. How can you know God? Got a real Sunday school answer for you right here. But it's the right answer. If people want to know God, if we're going to train new believers in how to know God, 
they've got to have their Bibles. We have to train them to read their Bibles so they can spend time with God on a daily basis. This is one of the most wonderful things that has ever happened to me, was when I was in college, getting challenged to start reading my Bible every day, connecting with God, praying to God, so that I can enjoy my relationship with Him. Christianity is not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about how much money you give to the church. It's not about looking great in the community and putting up some facade to everybody else that you're, that you're better than them or anything like that. Christianity is about knowing the Creator of the universe and knowing the Creator of you. That is what Christianity is about. And that is what we need to train our new disciples in. Bible reading, prayer, knowing God, and communicating with Him. So we know what we're looking for now. If we're going to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded, we know what we're going for. We want a new believer And we want a believer to be obedient in character, in their witness, and in their relationship with God. So we know the disciple we're trying to make, but how do we make a disciple? Let me give you a a book recommendation. Four four books that that are really, really important for for disciple-making. If you want to know how to make disciples, read these four books. Matthew, Mark... Luke and John. Have you all ever heard of those books before? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I think they're pretty familiar to most of us here. See, Jesus has already showed us how to make disciples. If we're asking ourselves, how do I make disciples? I don't know. I've never made disciples before. Well, I got a great answer for you. Do it just like Jesus did in the Bible. If you want to know how to make disciples, we've got a great, great model of a disciple maker named Jesus who has already shown us how to make disciples. What did Jesus do? Jesus did life on life, face to face, one on one, one on two or three, one on twelve with his disciples, and he also preached to the multitudes. So we see Jesus using a couple different methods, a couple different size groups in making disciples. See, he did one-on-one with him and Peter, and it looks like he also did one-on-one with him and and John. And he did one-on-three with Peter, James, and John. So Jesus had his very small group. Then he had a little bit larger group, the 12 apostles. And then he preached to the masses. But see, far too often, we just want to preach not make disciples. We don't want to do anything personal because that's, that's a little too personal for us. We want to preach a sermon, share a Sunday school lesson, and, and just stop right there. And guys, sermons and Sunday school lessons are a part of making disciples. But that's not where it ends because that's not how Jesus did it. Jesus didn't just preach sermons. Jesus lived Life on life, one on one, small groups to make disciples. And if that's how Jesus did it, I don't think we should try to figure out a better way than him. See, it's not just about teaching, it's about teaching to obey. 
And far too often in our large groups and even some mid-size or small groups, we teach information. We teach about true things. But there's almost no expectation that anybody's going to actually complete those things or live those things out in their day-to-day lives. See, some of y'all in here may, uh, may have met the old BSU director at the University of Oklahoma, Max Barnett. He has lots of amazing sayings. I, I, love, I love all the sayings of Max. There's one that has, has stuck with me. Max, when he's talking about discipleship and he's talking about teaching, Max says that people don't do what you expect. People do what you inspect. Chew on that for a second. People don't do what you expect. People do what you inspect. This is true in the Christian life. It's true in work. It's true in everything. See, if your boss tells you that you're supposed to fill out these reports and you're supposed to do it within the next week, but you know that your boss isn't going to ever ask you about it again, most likely that's just going to slip by the wayside and you're going to do some more important things. But if you know next week boss is going to come by and he's going to expect you to turn those reports into him, well, you're going to do it because people do what you inspect, not what you expect. See, I expect y'all to go out and share the gospel this week. But the unfortunate part about that is, I'm preaching today. I'm the missionary guest preacher. But all of y'all know that I'm not going to be here next week to ask each and every one of you, did you go share the gospel? Who did you share the gospel with? Y'all know that I'm not going to inspect my expectation. So it's far too easy to hear what I'm saying today, say, wow, evangelism, discipleship, sounds great. That would be good if somebody did it. And never actually let it change your life. But see, when we get down into smaller groups, we can have accountability on these expectations. We can challenge people to share the gospel and say, hey, I want you to either share the gospel with someone or invite one person to church this week. Either share the gospel or invite someone to church. We're going to meet back up next week and and see how it went. So we meet back up next week, and I ask you, did you share the gospel with anybody? No. Did you you invite anybody to church? Well, no, I I forgot about it. I'm going to work on that this next week, though. Okay, great. Next week, same expectation. Share the gospel with someone or, or invite someone to church. You know what's going to happen next week? You know that I'm going to ask you. You know that in our one-on-one meeting, I'm going to ask you whether or not you invited someone to church or shared the gospel with anyone. So you know what's going to be on your mind all week? Wow, I need to, I need to fulfill that task. There's something I've got to do because I know that Alex is going to get back with me next week And he's going to ask whether or not I did it. So next week, because you know that there's some accountability there, because you know I'm going to ask you whether or not you fulfilled it, it's going to be on the front of your mind because you know it's going to be inspected. Here's the problem, though. This almost never happens in a large group like big church. In big church, we can't inspect things. I can teach but we can't inspect. It's far too easy to listen, to agree with me, and then just hide in the pew. But when we get down into small groups of 
two, three, or four, we can have that life on life. We can have that face-to-face personal interaction where I can hold you accountable and you can hold me accountable. See, this isn't about one person being better than the other when we're talking about accountability. It's about mutual accountability. It's about you needing me and me needing you. That's what these small groups can do for us. So I beg you, church, say yes to accountability. Say yes to meeting up one-on-one, one-on-two with other believers so that you can encourage each other to live out a godly Christian life like you know that you're supposed to, like you talk about in Sunday school and like you hear about in big church. I'm going to give y'all a a great model of leadership that I've learned. It's the MAL method of leadership. MAL, M-A-W-L. Model, assist, watch, and leave. Model, assist, watch, leave. It's a great method of training new people in, in all sorts of things, but let's Let's use, it for, uh, let's use it for evangelism. I had a friend of mine in college. He was a little older than me. He's now an oil man in California. He was discipling me, training me up to follow Jesus. And he knew that I needed evangelism to be part of my life. And so he wanted to train me up in evangelism. So you know what he did? He took a simple evangelistic tool called the bridge. Some of y'all have seen the bridge illustration. Uses Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He uses this verse to share the desperate situation of a sinner on his way to hell, but the good news of Jesus and what he's done to save us. So he took this, this method of sharing the gospel. He showed it to me. And then he modeled how I can use this bridge illustration to share the gospel with others. Just had me watch him. Then the next time we went out, he had me help him share the gospel. So I had a small part in what I was supposed to do to help him share the gospel. I was supposed to ask the questions. And then he was going to share the gospel afterwards. So I asked the questions. I assisted my friend. And then he shared the gospel. Well, then the next time we flip-flopped, the next time he watched me share the gospel, and he helped me. So he modeled, then assisted, then he watched me do it with him there, and then he left me to go do it myself. He left me to go share the gospel. So now there wasn't just one of us sharing the gospel. We're split, and now we're two sharing the gospel. Model, assist, watch, leave. It's a way to reproduce yourself in others. It's a way to train others in something that you can do so that they can do it too. But guys, this is going to require something difficult of our leadership. If our leadership is going to make disciples, model, assist, watch, and leave, it's going to require some humility. Because you know what it means? It means that you can do it as well as I can, and maybe even better. It means that I'm not so great, but I have something I can share with you, and then then you can take that, and you can go do it on your own, and you don't need me anymore. That's the goal. The goal of our leadership should be to train people up so they can know and follow Jesus, and they don't need us anymore. They can go do it with other people. 
that should be the goal of our leadership, is to train up new leaders. There's a great picture of this in 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul's talking to Timothy and says, The things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The things you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The idea is reproducing generations of followers of Jesus. See, we share the gospel with others so that they can go share the gospel with even more. Guys, this is, this is such a large-scale thing. As I was preparing this sermon, it hit me how hard this is. This is not easy. This is not something that most people do. I'm not challenging y'all to do something that's just a normal lifestyle. This is the lifestyle of people who have denied themselves, taken up their cross, and followed Jesus, who are filled with the Spirit of God. If y'all remember Acts 1.8, we read it at the beginning of this sermon. Jesus was going to send His followers out, but He told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But then He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. See, this is not something that we can do. When I tell y'all about making disciples, about fulfilling the Great Commission, this isn't something that y'all can do in your own strength. This is something that you need the Spirit of the living God to be able to do. Because as Jesus told us in, in John chapter 15, He's the vine, we are the branches. If we abide in Him, we bear much fruit. But apart from Him, we can't do very much. Is that how that verse goes? Apart from Him, we can do some pretty good stuff, but not as much as we could with Him. Is that what the verse says? Now in John 15, Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, a branch separated from the vine is dead. It has no life in it. That's us separate from Jesus. But if we're connected to Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is filling us, overflowing out of our hearts, with Jesus, we can bear much fruit. There is hope in making disciples, not because we're good enough, but because our God is good enough to do this through us. Jesus has called us, go make disciples of all nations. So now we've looked at, okay, what is a disciple? How I make a disciple? But what is this idea of all nations? Who are these nations? There's an absolutely beautiful picture of this in Revelation chapter 7, where John sees a vision of heaven. He sees what's going on in heaven and sees people worshiping before the throne, worshiping the Lamb of God, and he sees all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues there before the throne worshiping the Lamb. What John is seeing is he's seeing people from every culture all over the world in the IMB, we talk about people groups. We talk about going to reach 
unreached people groups. What we mean by that is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 28, the nations. See, in English, we get this confused sometimes. We put two ideas together. We conflate these two things that aren't the same thing. We conflate country and nation. See, a country is a political boundary that has a government, has maps that you can draw little lines all around it. That's, that's a country. But that's not a nation. We use it to mean nation sometimes, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 28. A country is a political idea, but a nation is about an ethnic group. A nation is about an ethnic group with a shared tradition, a language, a culture. That's what a nation is that Jesus is talking about. So he hasn't just called us to reach every country with the gospel. He's called us to reach every one of those ethnic groups, every one of those cultures for the sake of his kingdom. See, there's a Christian in every country around the world. But there's not a Christian in every nation. Jesus has called us to reach all nations. And if we just think that making disciples of a few people in a country is enough... We're missing the idea that there are multiple nations inside that country. See, this is, this is really obvious where, where I live. I live in, in Colombia, in South America. And we've got several different prominent nations. The easiest ones to see are the white descendants of Spaniards uh, who were the conquerors of Colombia. You've heard of the conquistadors when you, when you went through history class in school. So we've got the descendants of, of the uh, Spanish people. Those are, that's one nation in Colombia. But then there's also the Afro-Colombians, the people who were brought over by the Spanish from Africa to be slaves in Colombia. And their descendants are still in Colombia. So we've got the descendants of the Spaniards and the descendants of the African slaves who were brought over. But in Colombia, we also have lots of different native peoples. We have over a hundred different indigenous people groups in Colombia. The descendants of those people who were there before the Spanish ever showed up. Speaking about 80 different languages. And the tough part about this is reaching a Spanish Colombian or an Afro-Colombian for the gospel doesn't do a whole lot of good for the indigenous Colombian who hasn't been reached yet because their cultures are separate from the rest of the rest of the Afro-Colombian and Spanish Colombian cultures. Jesus has called us to reach all nations and we see in Revelation chapter 7 that Jesus is going to fulfill that commission that he's given us because we know that all nations, peoples, tribes, and tongues will be there with us in heaven worshiping Jesus. So this is a commission that Jesus has called us to, but we already know that he has promised to fulfill it. So then the question is, okay, where are these nations? So we know we're supposed to reach not just every country, but, but all nations. Well, obviously, these nations are international they're all over the world. You can literally go and be a missionary and reach the nations. That's what I do. That's what, the, uh, that's what all of the 4,000 IMB missionaries do. We have gone overseas, crossing borders to reach the nations. Did y'all know that you can also make disciples of all nations 
right here in Norman? See, a lot of times we think about Great Commission, okay, that's, that's for our mission trips. That's when I get on a bus and cross the border into Mexico. That's when I get a plane and go to Honduras or go to Africa. Yeah, yeah, you can do missions that way. You can make disciples crossing borders. That's what I do. But did you know that you can also make disciples of all nations here? See, God has done an amazing thing in Norman, Oklahoma. There's lots of different nations right here. In Oklahoma, we're, we have a, a kind of neat multicultural thing going on because we have Indian reservations all around us. So y'all understand a lot about the idea of different nations just from living in Oklahoma because you have your Caucasian Americans and you also have your African Americans, your Hispanic Americans, your Native Americans, all right here in Norman, Oklahoma. You can reach those people with the gospel. You can make disciples of all nations without ever leaving the city limits. That is a blessing that we have to take advantage of. Did y'all know that there's even more nations than that here in Norman? Who in here knows that there's a fairly large university in this town? Anyone ever heard of that university? I think a lot of us celebrated something about that university yesterday. I know I did. Uh, that university's got a great football team, and we, we can enjoy that later. But right now, we're going to think about the opportunities God has given us through the University of Oklahoma. Did you all know that when I was there, I knew Africans at the University of Oklahoma? I knew Saudis from Saudi Arabia at the University of Oklahoma. I knew Laotians from Laos at the University of Oklahoma. Cambodians at the University of Oklahoma. These are people that God has brought from the unreached peoples of the world to our doorstep. You can literally walk to the University of Oklahoma and share the gospel with all nations right there. I pray that God is calling out someone in here today to go overseas to become a full-time career missionary. I do pray that. I pray that God's doing that with one or two of y'all. But I also have been praying for the last week that God would call every single one of you to make disciples of all nations right here in Norman, Oklahoma. Whether that's with your neighbor who looks just like you, or whether that's with an international student at the university. There are so many opportunities that God has given us. He has brought the nations to us, to a place where we're already comfortable, where we already call home. You know, there's, it's political season, and I didn't come to make any political statements today. But there's a refugee crisis going on throughout the whole world, and I'm not really worried about which way you land on bringing in more refugees in your politics. That's not really a worry of mine today. But you know what I, what I do care about? what we're going to do with the refugees who are already here. Do you all know that there are refugees in Oklahoma? I did a quick search and found that Catholic Charities in Oklahoma City has a refugee ministry. you all ever thought that if you wanted to reach the nations, reach unreached people groups that right up the road in Oklahoma City, refugees are just waiting for someone to come talk to them, just waiting for someone to maybe teach them English, and God has given us the opportunity to share the gospel with people in desperate situations who desperately need Him. 
And it's just up in Oklahoma City. Some are here in Norman. Guys, the opportunity to make disciples of all nations is something that God has given us. He has called every one of us to it, some to go overseas, but some to be a doctor or a professor or a student right here in Norman and making disciples of all nations. God has called all of us to do that, and you can do it right here. So yes, pray about whether God has called you to participate in missions overseas. I pray that God would call some of y'all out to do mission trips and maybe even to go long term. But don't spend all your time wasting away trying to figure out whether God wants you to make disciples of all nations. I've got news for you. He does want you to make disciples of all nations, and you can do it even if you can't leave Norman. You can make disciples right here. I didn't come with anything creative today. I'm, I'm not the most innovative person. But I do know that the message of the Bible is clear. That God has a purpose for each and every one of us. That whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. God has called all of us to glorify Him, to know Him, to love Him, and to share what we have already received with the next generation of believers so that they can then reproduce and share with others. You all saw in the video, there's lots of opportunities to participate in missions. You can go on a mission trip. You can pray for missionaries. Trust me, we need it. I've been on the mission field for four years, and I know how desperately we need Jesus in this spiritual battle that we're engaged in, how desperately we need your prayers. You can go, you can pray for the missionaries, and you can give. Lottie Moon offering season is going to be coming up soon, and that is how the IMB is able to support the 4,000 missionaries that are across the globe sharing the gospel. So there are things that you can help to do to support missionaries somewhere else, but God has called you to also be a faithful disciple right here in Norman. Let's pray.